Each of the domes was at least the size of a large sports arena and perhaps taller. The exhaust stacks flooded the Martian atmosphere with greenhouse gases and oxygen and had been doing so for nearly a century. The atmosphere on Mars was dense enough to support life, but not yet warm enough or oxygen-rich enough for humans to survive unprotected. In fact, there was almost enough oxygen to be similar to that of earthly high altitudes, like on Mount Everest. But there still remained far too much carbon dioxide in the atmosphere to safely breathe it. The Martian trees and grasses were slowly taking care of the carbon dioxide, but it would still be a century or more before Mars would be Earth-like enough to go outside without oxygen or scrubbers. Pressure suits had not been needed for decades, but heated environment suits and oxygen supplies or carbon dioxide scrubbers were still the common fashion of Martians, tourists, and, of course, the military. Nancy, being from Virginia, had only studied about the Martian geology transformation industry. Being half-Martian on her mother's side, she had also heard stories firsthand from her mother of Mars and how wonderful it would be someday. Her mother had been from the southern glacial region, which was a hemisphere away at the moment, where the water ice was being heated by large space-based laser systems that were in non-Keplerian orbits about the planet's pole. Standard Keplerian orbits actually circumscribe a planet, but the non-standard orbits of the space-based lasers allowed them to hover over a single Martian location while not being at the Mars synchronous orbital altitudes. The spectacle of the large glaciers being melted away into shining, clear, sublimating pools of water by invisible laser beams from space was a story her mother had often told her as a child. The wild rainbows created by the quickly dissipating moisture clouds cast a beautiful chiaroscuro of light on the surroundings. But those days of Mars had been gone for more than thirty Earth years. Once the separatist movement started and one of the laser spaceships had been hijacked and in turn used to vaporize more than seventeen thousand American workers in the algae farms of the Elysian Planitia, the space-based Martian terraforming assets were removed. United States Naval Fleet warships had long since replaced them. The only things left of the terraforming efforts were the algae farms, trees, and the atmosphere production domes. Mother Nature had begun to help out. As more and more influence from Earth appeared on Mars, other earthly contaminations, such as robust desert vegetation, cacti, and shrubbery, had been popping up across most of the populated Martian regions. Earth tundra wildflowers spread across the wetter regions in the north, scattering red, yellow, and purple colors amidst the blue-green algae and brown sage. Undoubtedly, some Martian had thought it would be a good idea to plant earth vegetation on the former red planet. In many cases, the earth vegetation adapted to its new environment quite readily. In a few cases, earth conifer trees, not the genetic Martian hybrids, had been planted and survived. But there was little vegetation visible from the altitude and speed of the supercarrier. The domes presently skittered by underneath, while Nancy gathered as much of the Martian imagery in her mind as she could. There was some awe and nostalgia, of course, but she had a mission to do, and a bird's-eye reconnaissance was always useful before an operation.